This is episode 57 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast, where we are jumping into the April topic over on kindredmom.com, which is healthy soul. This is the culmination of a three-month series that we've been looking at and what it looks like to be a healthy mom in mind, body, and soul. And today's conversation is a continuation of that. The guests I have on today's show are Lindsay Cornett, one of the editors from our Kinder Mom team, as well as Rachel Blackston, who has been serving our community as a writer in residence these last few months. Over on the blog, there's some different essays from her that I am going to link in the show notes for this episode so you can become a little more familiar with her. But the three of us are talking really about what the pursuit of peace looks like in our lives, and that includes an element of spirituality and really just some of the practices that we each have used in order to find peace in our own lives. And the second half of this show, I have a sweet friend. Her name is Lexi Stratman. She is a mom of five and a former childbirth educator who just loves God and has pursued in her life an intentional sense of peace and deep spirituality that I have really learned a lot from. And so I hope you enjoy the conversation I have with her as it unfolds. Thank you so much for being here to listen, and as always, I hope you'll check out kindredmom.com for the rest of the series. We're coming up on the third month of our series uh, talking about what it looks like to be a healthy mom. And this month we are narrowing in on what it looks like to have a healthy soul. And so today we're going to be talking about spirituality and peace and some of the things that help us be healthy in that realm of our lives. And I'm really pleased to be welcoming Rachel Blackston, one of our writers in residence this month. Rachel, welcome. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. And we also have from our Kindred Mom editorial team, Lindsay Cornett. Hi, Emily. Hi, Rachel. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Yeah, well, I think this will be great. We'll have to see where it goes because there's just so many, so many things that we could talk about on this topic. But as a way of introducing this topic to our community and our listeners, I would love to just start with what peace, the pursuit of peace, the experience of peace has been like for either of you in your own lives, maybe in the the most recent past, or maybe you have some story from back in the day that encompasses what peace is to you in your life right now? Well, one thing that I have needed to learn, and this is a recent thing that I am figuring out, is that peace and calm are not necessarily the same thing because I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and a Mm -hmm. two-year-old and they are loud and they are crazy and they are handfuls. And I think that at a, you know, kind of surface level glance, my home really doesn't seem very peaceful is maybe what I would initially say. But I'm coming to terms with the fact that my house is not calm, but that doesn't mean that it's not peaceful, you know, in a certain way, especially when we're thinking about at the soul level and the spiritual level of things. Mm-hmm. So I really try to think about peace as an internal you know, characteristic. It's kind of an internal way of being that I really, really can only get to personally with Jesus's help because my natural instinct is towards worry and stress. I kind of get very easily overwhelmed and stressed at a long to-do list or a chaotic environment or any of those things. And so peace for me has really been about learning to take a deep breath, to kind of zoom out a little bit, to look at my life with more of an eternal, you know, perspective and to learn to be content and to see the ways that God is at work and showing up, even if life feels crazy and not very calm. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Lindsay, I love that you made that distinction. I think that's brilliant. My children are right in the same age range. So I'm right there with you, six, four, and two. So I have had to find a level of joy and peace in, in something that feels very wild and chaotic at times. I did decide to go on a silent retreat during the month of December. Mm. 
And I had no idea how much frenetic energy was inside of me Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I hadn't really stopped. And honestly, it was such a battle to get to the place of being silent. My husband gave me about four hours and it was so, I mean, it, it probably took me an hour just to kind of get beyond the to-do list, the cleaning, you know, really just even thinking about my kids and their development. I mean, that's so much like mental space. And then about an hour into it, I just started saying the word home and just kind of speaking that word to God and saying, you are my home. And a lot of times I think kind of like what Lindsay said, this sense of peace comes from this idea of I belong to you and you're with me and I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. That's really lovely. I really love that. Yeah. And peace is one of the things in my life that I have most desperately pursued and most poignantly felt in my life also because of my faith in Jesus, which is not something that we really camp on a lot with Kindred Mom, only because I just think that there's so much to be shared with an audience that may or may not share our own church background or our own faith background, but it is a very formative part of how I've experienced peace in my own life. And there are just two things that come to mind when I think about peace and One of them is a quote from somewhere. I have no idea where it's from. I should probably look it up so I could credit the person. But it's just this quote that says that peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of power. And for me, I've had a lot of troubles in my life, a lot of difficult seasons, a lot of upheaval and transition and sorrow and grieving. And so knowing that I am able to experience peace in the midst of those things, that I'm not waiting for all of that stuff to like be behind me or something has been a really pivotal part of actually finding peace in the midst of the life that I have right now. And fortunately, I'm not in as traumatic a season as some of the ones that I've had in the past. But that presence of power really is, to me, the work of God in my life. And just a very presentness, His concern and care for me on a daily basis, which is so hard to like quantify or talk about in a way because it's not like I can show you this video to show you exactly how God works in my life, but it is a really huge part of my everyday. And the second thing I was going to just mention is one of the most comforting verses in the Bible to me says that Jesus himself is our peace. And I have repeated that phrase to myself multiple times through many different circumstances, just knowing that He Himself is my peace and He is able to enter into anything that I'm going through and and guide me and lead me through it. And so those are some of the things that come to mind for peace for me, which are very deep and abstract and not super practical for like the everyday motherhood zone. But it's probably what has most shaped my perspective and understanding of peace. Yeah, I really love all of that, Emily. And just as you were talking, I began to think that you know, I spend a lot of time and energy thinking about what is it that I want to pass on to my kids, Mm -hmm. right? What are the skills or the, what's the emotional intelligence, you know, all these different things that I want them to have as they grow. And I really think that peace is a really important thing to try to impart to them because I don't know about you guys, but I hear so many statistics these days about how prevalent anxiety and depression is among children and teenagers these days, due in part to the influence of social media and just the pressure that they feel to achieve and all of these things. And our world, you know, is so rife with conflict and um, even just in relationships, you know? And so I just think that peace, that sort of peace that surpasses the surface level of calm, right? But that taps into something a lot deeper is a really important thing to give to our kids, but it's not something that we can pass along if it if we haven't first experienced it ourselves, you know? I hadn't really given much thought to that just until you were talking about what an important thing that is to, to pass on to our kids. I love the picture um, that you painted of peace for mm-hmm. me, Emily. I mean, it sounded like I was looking at a canvas that actually had all this color and texture mm-hmm. to it in the sense of um, that within peace, that there's 
there's deep room to grieve, you know, that there is there's space for our emotions, you know, that that there's some kind of grounding um, or centering that's so much deeper uh, back to what you said uh, of being calm. And I just I love the idea of sort of passing that on to our kids. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. Yeah. Well, there are two things that just kind of flash in my mind from the things that both of you have just shared. One of them is that emotions. um, So this is a conversation I've had with my dad probably a hundred times in my lifetime. And he has always Mm -hmm. said to me about how to not trust my emotions, that emotions can be deceiving and don't, you know, think with your head and not with your heart kind of stuff, you know, trying to keep me out of danger and, and really sharp logical thinking ahead kind of stuff. And it's it's been something that we've revisited a number of times over the years because I'm a very emotional person. And so to say, don't trust your emotions or your emotions are bad or whatever, he didn't ever say, you know, your emotions are bad, but he kind of lived like they were, you know? And <laughs> yes. so I've pushed back on that over the years and have come to understand emotions as indicators. Like I don't actually have trust in my emotions. Like they are something that I can hang my hat on because sometimes they are deceiving and the way I feel may not be entirely lined up with what is true, but my emotions are always giving me information and they are indicators that help me know how to navigate certain things. Because if something like suddenly makes me really angry, there's a reason why. And the anger may be very valid, but the source might be different than what I think it is on the first investigation. And so it's been a really beautiful thing that we've revisited in our conversations with each other, where he has come to see the conclusions that I have drawn and how that enriches my life and my spirituality and my peace with God to allow emotions to be what they are, and then to still have sound judgment about making decisions and, you know, just seeing how truth is the bedrock of things and emotions are a valid part of our experience. So that's one thing that came to my mind. The other thing is, um, Lindsay, we're talking about passing on peace to our kids and, um, This is a very present conversation in our household because we have a lot of people in our house and there's a lot of opportunity for peace to not be here because of everyone's input and opinions. And my husband has been really funny lately because we're expecting this baby in April and he's like, I love babies. He's like, if it wasn't for all the opinions that come after the baby stage, he's like, we would have like, (laughs) and I was like, yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, But it's true. Like right now, like our biggest challenge is getting everybody moving in the same direction because everyone has a different interest or a different, um, or they want to pick a fight with someone or they, you know, they just have all their individual things. And so... I have been talking to them about, you know, you have to do your part to bring peace to our family. Like they have something to bring in the circumstances. We all live together that extending grace and forgiving easily and, you know, doing what we can to accommodate the needs and the desires of others. And really, this is kind of the crux of all the issues in my house right now. If we're not willing to take responsibility for the things that are our responsibility and let go of the things that are not our responsibility, I think that peace is not it's not possible here because so much of what doesn't work in our family system is usually because one person or several people decide, I want this to go my way and I'm going to boss everyone else around and tell them how this needs to go. And I'm like, nope, (laughs) nope. Nope, that one's not on your job description today, you know, like, or this is why it's, I think it just matters that we help our kids recognize what, what power they have, the influence they have in conversations and in our family system, as well as what things they can let go of. They don't have to put that pressure on themselves. Like they have to manage this household and they have to keep their siblings in line or whatever, because that just always adds to the chaos. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's really good. It reminds me of the um, the verse that says, be at peace if possible. You know that you're trying to teach them that as a, as a community, that they are all responsible 
at some level for fighting for peace, you know, the the, kind of the paradox of that, that it's something that's fought for. Absolutely. Well, I want to know where you guys would like to go with this conversation. I feel like it's such a rich topic that we could we could go a number of different ways. And um, what do you think are some of the most important things regarding spirituality and peace in your own home, things that you want to be valued and established in your family's legacy? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately when it comes to spirituality and helping my kids develop their faith is I'm really coming around to the idea of you know, this isn't, this isn't a new idea, but it's just coming. I'm seeing the truth of it kind of in a new and fresh way, I think recently. And that is just the value of modeling my faith for them rather than trying to teach them all the right beliefs, right? My parents really prioritized our faith when we were growing up. You know, we were in church really often and we were um, reading the Bible together and that sort of thing. But I think all of us as adults, right, we all sort of have this baggage, right, around faith and spirituality, things that we think like, I'm going to do that differently or I'm going to do that better. And sometimes I feel a lot of angst around that, right? Like, how can I do um, a good job of imparting this really complex and rich, but so important faith system to my kids. Um, And I've just lately been thinking more about just like, how can I model to them that my faith is alive and important to me? Because so much of faith can happen, you know, in our minds, right? And in our hearts, it's not always super easy to see it externally. And so I'm just trying to be a little more intentional about um, talking to my kids about what's on my mind and what I I'm thinking about if I put on some worship music, like talking to them about why I chose it and what does this song mean? And oh, I really like this line in this song. I recently heard someone compare the development of our kids' faith to a playground, right? That we send them out onto the playground and we have set up a structure for them. You know, there's a slide and there's swings, but for the most part, once the structure is in place, like we're setting them out to explore and to play and that we trust that they're going to learn and they're going to grow as they do so. And I really liked that. That was just really helpful and really freeing to me um, to not worry quite so much about whether I'm teaching, you know, exactly the right things all the time. Um, I just want them to know that God loves them and that God is with them and that they can love God as well and have a relationship with God. And so I'm sort of, I don't know, I just feel like I'm kind of internally breathing a sigh of relief and letting go of some of the pressure of that a little bit and finding a little bit more joy Mm. in the process at the same time. Lindsay, that is such a beautiful metaphor of the playground because I think children are such experiential learners. And so do we let them learn in the faith that way? And do we get them to experience God using all of the senses? Um, I think that um, one of the things that Lindsay and I were talking about is developing in our kids a real deep love of story, ultimately stories of scripture and the Bible, and the, but ultimately the stories of their own life. And so our daughter, Hannah, we went through infertility with her. And so we named her after Hannah in scripture who studied, who struggled with infertility. And she knows that that's the story of her, you know, of her conception, that that we prayed and that people prayed and they came together and we gathered and we longed and we, um, we cried out to God for her. And so she knows that story. And then our daughter, Charlotte, who went through open heart surgery, I mean, she's just at two, but she can already kind of point to her heart, you know, and just knows that her heart is part of her story. And I'm hoping that that will become a story of faith, a narrative that they'll live into. And I find so often that when I'm reading them stories, that it touches the little girl in me too. Like the, um, that one book, um, by Nancy Tillman on the night that you were born. I don't know if you've read that, but it is. Yes. We love that book. Oh my gosh. I mean, when I read that, I just cry and they look at me, you know, kind of like, mom, why are you crying? And I'm just like, because this is God's heart for us. Like our lives are such a celebration and, like it just, it makes me feel so valued. And, um, and so I do, I just think, you know, helping them use their imagination in faith. Um, 
is so, so important. Yeah, I think there's a lot of lovely thoughts in both of your comments about this. And I think one of the reasons why it was really important to me that we included Healthy Soul in this series that we've done, because we've gotten really deep into mental health and just what it looks like to have a healthy mind and talked about the physicality of just our bodies and being well physically, that this is kind of what ties it all together. <laughs> like it's, if our souls are not well, if there is like this intangible side of our experience that is not at peace, you know, it just really changes a lot of things about our physical lives and about what we plan for our families and how we approach motherhood and what we're able to really offer our children. And I guess for me, it took me a number of years of just caring for my kids kind of on autopilot, just feed the kid, put the kid to bed, hug the kid, you know, like check the boxes of all that stuff to then, especially when we jumped into our homeschooling journey, when my oldest was about five, she was so eager to learn. And I honestly had never considered homeschooling before that point. That's not something I wanted to do. Um, it was kind of a circumstantial thing that I just wasn't comfortable sending her to the school option that we had in our area at that time. And so I just kind of felt the tug to just give it a try for the first year. Like, well, she's so eager to learn. She could start kindergarten a year from now if we figure out where we would send her. And for me, that was the year that I just started recognizing what influence I have to deeply invest not only in her physical well-being, but just in uh, allowing creative space for her imagination. And that's when, I mean, I didn't really read a ton of books before that time with her. Like we did little story here, little story there, but it wasn't, reading wasn't a value. Um, and I didn't have a lot of conversations with her when she was a lot younger, but as she grew into the school years and the little brothers came along after her. I remember um, there was a stretch of time that we would all like, I have multiple kids sleep in the same room when they're on the younger side. And so we would sit there, they'd be all in their beds and I'd be sitting in their room and I would just read them a Bible story. And then I would ask, do you have any questions? And the questions they would ask me were hard questions. <laughs> like They were like, oh, what, what does peace mean? Like, I remember my four-year-old asked me that one time and I'm like trying to trying to describe wow. it, you know, it's like, mm, okay, so these are good, hard questions. But the one thing I love about it is that it has given us a framework for those questions as they've gotten much more complex in, in their older years. And we do, we have times where we'll just kind of stop everything. A lot of times it's now when we're in the car and they're all buckled in and they can't get away. <laughs> and um, I'll just say, hey, so we've had this, you know, Bible lesson recently at church or we've had this situation come up in our, you know, circle of friends or something and want to know what you guys have questions about or if what you have thoughts about and just the dialogue that happens there um, is, is just so meaningful. And um, so I don't know what you guys think about um, how you have conversations with your kids and draw them into that space that's not all about physical care and, you know, accomplishing a to-do list. It can be really hard to make space for some of those soul level conversations sometimes. My kids are, you know, still younger than yours, Emily, but it can just be hard to kind of get and keep their attention, right? To their run-in, they want to go play. Like I can barely get them to sit down long enough to eat a meal. You know, they just are going a million miles per hour. And I really do love reading books to them for that reason. Um, you know, we love like the Jesus story. Storybook Bible. We have another book that's called Psalms, Psalms for Young Children. And I'm not, I don't know the author's name on that book, but it's like paraphrases of the Psalms in really kid-friendly language. But even just storybooks and picture books, you know, the ones that are really good, that are enjoyable for them and for me, they just offer so many opportunities to talk um, about some of those deeper soul level things, you know, to explore the relationships between the people and the choices that people make and um, what it looks like when we love 
other people the way God loves them, right? So often I think that's the conversation we end up having when we read a story. Um, So that's one way, you know, while my kids are still young, that we try to make space for some of those deeper conversations. Lindsay, we love that book, Psalms for Young Children. I think it's Marie Helene Duvall. um, Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a fabulous book. So, um, I, I agree with you, Lindsay. I think that this can sometimes be difficult, especially with little young ones. Um, my husband actually has a real, just a real knack for that. And one thing that he did with them, it was so sweet, um, is he started to do this little moment of listening prayer where he just said, God speaks to us. We're just going to spend a moment in silence and just see if God says anything to you. And they come up with Mm. the sweetest responses. I mean, it's been really neat. Um, So I think, I just think it takes a lot of creativity, which I'm sometimes really lacking, but um, to kind of get into their worlds, to try to do some things that are a little bit more experiential, Um, you know, because sometimes our rhythms of faith they don't connect yet to the to the young children. And so to try to find ways to do that is a little bit of a challenge for us as moms. I think one of the areas that I would love to talk about too is how our children actually draw us <laughs> to a deeper faith. I found that that has been a really beautiful part of um, becoming a mom is recognizing these moments where they'll be like a holy intrusion in my day Mm. (laughs) and something that they'll say (laughs) to me, you know, and it it can be, sometimes they say things that are really convicting. Mm -hmm. Um, like mom, you have too much Mads today, or they may say, (laughs) um, something that, um, my daughter, I was just having a really tough day and she did this watercolor and it says life is beautiful mom I love you I was just like oh my word but it was just like the words (laughs) of Jesus just spoke so really deeply to my heart through her and I think sometimes it's just um, their their expression of innocence or their play but I think that that is something that has been new for me in the journey of mothering is just how much my heart can expand in faith. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I think about kids like, I mean, taking away from the disciplines of faith, like taking away from like my Bible readings or taking away from prayer time. But it's like, there's these ways that they just expand Mm -hmm. my heart towards faith and peace that is just so beautiful in just being who they are. Well, and there are so many parts of motherhood that are very sanctifying that it's not our children's fault that they have a lot of needs. It's not their fault that they wake up in the middle of the night and they're sick and they need to be tended to. And for me, it's been such a humbling journey to see that as I serve them, as we grow together, really, that it has brought about deeper elements of faith in my life because that's just how I get through. <laughs> it's like, it's, um, you know, it's, there's both the delight and the joy of their innocence and discovery and curiosity and also the other side of just what is needed of me and will I willingly be a servant to my family or will I trudge my feet along instead of, you know, willingly doing what needs to be done. And I would say one of the most poignant thing that's happened to me since my first baby was born is she she was up in the middle of the night like any baby was but I just remember feeling so angry all the time like if I was the one that had to get out of bed to get her like I am so tired and I'm so mad about this and I just don't want to have to do this so many times every single night for you know months and months on end and there was a conversation I had with a woman who had many more children than I did at the time and she just was sweetly she's like, oh, I love the midnight hours. I love having a baby on my chest in the dark because it gives me such a a quiet opportunity to pray and to, um, she's like, said something about sowing into the night, just the the thoughts and desires of God and her family as she prays in the night hours. And it just radically changed my perspective. And I do also now cherish the nighttime wake-ups. And obviously we try not to do it every hour or every other hour, you know, have still getting rest, but I don't fight against that or resist that 
call to mother sacrificially because I see the purpose and the meaning in it. And to me, that's one of the most important parts about having a healthy soul is that we see the meaning and the value of life and the value of what we do every day that is not seen or celebrated by other people or something you can measure or have a you know, a gold star given to you for um, that it's still important stuff. And you are building the legacy and life of a child that will be with them for the rest of their lives. So I really think that's why motherhood is such like a deeply spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. I think for all of us, regardless of our faith background, or, you know, where we stand in relationship to God, or how we feel about church or any of those things, I think that motherhood is just so profound, because it's one of those really rare experiences that requires every part of us, right? It requires our physical energy, our emotional energy, our mental energy. It just is such a holistic experience, you know, that it's it's really no wonder to me when I think about it, right? That it is just this opportunity to connect so deeply, you know, with ourselves and with the God who created us and loves us and loves our children. Um, it really is just such a meaningful and, and profound thing. Um, it's definitely been one of the most, um, probably the most meaningful way that I have connected with God, you know, even in the really, really hard moments of it. You know, I think often about my, the period of time when I had postpartum depression and anxiety and I, um, it was a really hard time. But it was not like a spiritually dry time for me. Like even when I was so sad and so having such a difficult time, I really never felt alone. Like I just remember feeling really clearly that Jesus was with me in the middle of the really hard and in the middle of the suffering. And I know that's not, you know, everyone's experience. And so I don't want to like be prescriptive about that, but it was true for me at least. And I think that motherhood is, it's humbling and it's hard, but it also just provides such opportunities for joy and growth and, and all of those things that, you know, so, so few things in life really grant us. Love Lindsay hearing you say that mothering has been the single most spiritually enriching experience. Um, because I think it's so close to the heart of our God. You know, when I think about sacrificial love, I really um, loved the words of Julian of Norwich, who talks about literally, you know, as we nourish our babies sacrificially and they're feeding of our own bodies. I mean, in, in whatever way, whether you're a formula feeding mom or a breastfeeding mom, it's like you, you are developing a baby of your own body and how that looks so similarly to how Jesus has fed us and nourished us with his own body, you know, and through sacrificial love. And so I just think that there's a window into the truth, into spiritual truth through the act of mothering that um, is, is just, it's really unbelievable. I mean, it's just so, so incredible. I'm so grateful to welcome one of my dear friends and a woman who I look up to very much in the realm of just what it looks like to pursue God in our lives and uh, really experience His peace. And so today I am introducing you to Lexi Stratman. Lexi, hello. Hi, Emily. I'm so glad that you're... the sweetest introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, you are my dear friend and someone who has been holding me together through a difficult season with your encouragement and your prayer. And so I just, I'm really glad to welcome you as we are in the middle of the Healthy Mom series. We've done three months in a row of Healthy Mind, Body, and Soul. And this month is the Healthy Soul. And so I just today want to talk about peace and like how we can find peace if we have no peace in our lives or how uh, really, you know, for me, and I know for you as well, peace is so connected to our spiritual journey. And so those are the things we're going to be diving into today. And since people may not know much about you, I'd love for you to just share a little bit about your family and then feel free to jump right into that topic, anything that's on your heart. Well, we've got five kids um, from 13 down to about four and a half. Uh, David and I have been married for over 16 years. I taught childbirth educations for over 10 years and loved that, loved um, empowering women to 
know their options and work with their bodies through uh, childbirth. In the last couple of years, we've been more focused on our homeschool and um, our family life and church life. My husband's on staff at church. And though I'm not on staff, there's a lot that I participate in. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So over three years, I've been cultivating new practices in my relationship with the Lord. I gave my life to him when I was 16. So that's over 20 years ago. But as I've grown up and done this journey of motherhood for a bit now, I began to see places that I needed to create more time and space, essentially in silence and solitude, because there's not a lot of that when you've got yeah. many kids and different ages and different demands. So um, yeah, that's probably where I'd start with, with talking about where I cultivate the most peace, yeah. the silence and solitude. Well, and I'd love to just mention, since our listeners don't know the relationship that you and I have, that we have been in the same homeschool cooperative for several years. So our families know each other and we've had a lot of FaceTime. You've been my friend through, I think, two pregnancies now. <laughs> and I just, uh, I have seen how thoughtfully and seriously you welcome in God's presence into your life. And it's something that has both challenged and encouraged me in really, really serious ways. And so, you know, as I was planning out this episode, I was just thinking there's just not anybody else <laughs> besides Lexi that I would want to talk about this right now. And so I know that, you know, it's a journey that is individual to every person as we sort out our faith and what it looks like, in the, especially in the season of motherhood, because everyone has different challenges and demands of their time. But I just, I love having seen a progression in your life of how you have more thoughtfully and intentionally um, carved out time to, and, and what peace that has brought you. I've seen that so tangibly in your life that I I'm just really grateful that you're here today. So that's cool. Thank you. That's encouraging. And you're right. And I, I was thinking about your audience, the audience that would most likely be listening, mothers, of course. And then um, if they're in that season of the young, young years, still having young ones and still, you know, nursing and having babies and pregnancy, it's its own different, unique season. And, and it really is a season that won't be that way forever. Um, but it's very intense, very high demand. And then, and then there can be other factors that make it even more demanding, whether it be a special needs child or um, things that are pressing from outside of life or finances or other circumstances. I recognize that there's not necessarily an easy answer that we're going to be giving today. Yeah. Like, Go ahead and try these things. Yeah. And, and then you'll get peace. <laughs> but I could share some of the things that, that I chose to do and uh, by the guidance of the Holy Spirit um, during those the seasons that were challenging. One major thing that I did was I started getting up before the kids, which um, really I know was impossible during um, those infants years. Um, I usually, you know, nurse my babies, you know, for over a, a year of their first life. So that attachment is going on for a long time. And getting up early wasn't necessarily even practical. Um, I needed sleep. My sleep was being interrupted. But there came a time when my youngest was old enough that I really felt actually the encouragement from the Holy Spirit to just try, just try to get up early before the kids do. And so what I started to do is I actually left the house. I'd get up and go to Starbucks because I knew that I'd either fall back to sleep <laughs> or I'd start doing chores because nobody's around to, you know, I'm fairly task oriented. And Well, and who doesn't so, want to go to Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> so I was just being literally... It's kind of a practical move to get out of the house and start my day with some caffeine. So I, it was silence and solitude, but not necessarily like in a cozy corner of my own house in the beginning. And it just began that discipline to get up when I didn't want to, to get up when it was dark and cold and sleep sounded better. And, and that's where like some of the things I was gonna, thinking about sharing today really are about just starting to practice them. And some things maybe will fall to the wayside because they don't um, add to your relationship with the Lord. They don't add to your peace. They actually are more draining. So those things can just let it go. So that's how, that's for me, how I started was just getting up before the kids because I needed time to be quiet 
within myself to start cultivating that peace so that I could live from that place of um, internal stillness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and motherhood is such a chaotic thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, during the day when they are up and they are moving, there is so much commotion. And sometimes, you know, I get halfway through the day and I am just tired just from the noises. (laughs) That's not even Mm -hmm. if I have been physically moving and doing all of the other things that need to be done. And so... I do think that stillness um, and finding some mental space, I wrote about that um, in our February series, just how mental space for me is something that I absolutely have to find, you know, whether that is time in prayer and seeking out God or time to write away from the house, or there's lots of small ways that I seek that out these days, but it's become something that is so essential that if I ignore it, then I can no longer function as a mother who is patient and kind and willing to do for them what they need from me. And so um, I definitely relate to that. And I am curious if you can remember back to when you did have some babies. I'm about to have a baby here. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I it looks differently. Maybe getting up early isn't the the step that I can take in this season or other moms, if they're in that season of really broken sleep through the night, are there things that you did then that were uh, just a way to invite peace in the midst of a tumultuous season? Yes. Uh, two things uh, came to my, my mind. Um, one was from a dear friend who was a mentor in my life who told me that when her kids were young, she put out Bibles everywhere that she would eventually maybe sit down mm-hmm. if it was for a moment yeah. <laughs> because there isn't a lot of sitting right um with little ones you're chasing and making meals and cleaning up things and um it's constant so um I took that advice and I did put a bible by my bed there's a bible in the bathroom there's a bible in the living room where I'd you know kind of be my favorite spot so I could just pick it up and a lot of the times the easiest place to jump in for me was um, the Psalms, but also the Gospels. Those are places that um, you can just dive right in um, because there's not a ton of time for that contemplation because the next demand is probably coming yeah. any second. Yes, <laughs> as they're pounding on the bathroom door. <laughs> oh, exactly. Oh my gosh. Um, the other thing I, I really loved were a couple devotionals that were very rooted in scripture. Um, one was is um, utmost, for, utmost for His Highest of course, um, Oswald Chambers, and then um, Streams in the Desert. And those were both um, devotionals I kept near where I usually would sit down to nurse and open those up um, during a nursing session. And since those were attached to scripture, but then with some meditative thought, I could kind of sit in those peaceful moments that hopefully were maybe peaceful when I'm nursing my baby and, um, and do get a little bit of contemplation, um, prayer time, um, reflection and reconnect with the spirit that never leaves me that I just become unaware of in the in the busyness sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. what I have done for my own sanity is just mm-hmm. kind of try to find a verse or two that I can write on a post-it note or an index card and leave it on my bathroom mirror or leave it next to my sink where I stand and do a lot of dishes. And even just kind of having those very small reminders that I am not here to carry the entire world on my own shoulders is something that, you know, my life has been pretty simple for the last 12 years (laughs) since I've had. Now we're going on number seven baby here. And, you know, so like when you talk about getting up early, I'm like, "Mm -hmm, (laughs) we'll see about that. I'm not going to be doing that for a while. But you can't go 12 years without tending to your soul. And, you know, that's just not, it's not wise to do that. And so for me, just seeing, doing things in very small bites (laughs) to turn my attention away from what is heavy and hard and sometimes soul crushing because <laughs> uh, as much as I find a lot of purpose in motherhood and I am so honored to have this role and to raise these children there are days that are just so hard and peace can feel very absent and so 
that's one reason why I just thought it was important to cover this as we talk about having a healthy soul, because if you are only pouring out and only going on two hours of sleep, three hours of sleep for years on end with no returning to rest, returning to, you know, understanding that God is in control of things and that he does supply our needs uh, according to his riches and glory, as he says, um, that if there aren't reminders of that often, I think it's easy to just fall into discouragement and to allow the overwhelm of everything to be the loudest voice. It's so true. And so maybe for a minute, not so much the practical, but something that was on my heart to share and, um, you know, kind of maybe what, you know, sparked the idea that you'd have me on today was to talk about the soul, as you've said, but then, but then the soul versus the spirit, not as in opposition, but understanding kind of picking apart a little bit the soul and the spirit, but then also the body. Cause you're, you're mentioning, we're talking about childbearing years. We're talking about sleep deprivation. So that absolutely affects the body which can affect the soul and vice versa. So in the soul is the seed of our, our thoughts and our emotions and our will, right? Um, but the spirit within us, those that are believers in Christ Jesus who have received his spirit within us, that's the seed of our identity because um, we are made in the image of God. And so ideally what we want is that the spirit within us, where our union with the Spirit of God sits, that identity, that informs our soul, which is where our mind and our, our emotions and our will sit, as opposed to the soul always being in charge. And I think that, you know, being tired and being strung out and um, being always the one that's, that's giving out, we're, we're having a hard time thinking about when we can have space for it, but we don't have to have hours on end as long as we keep returning to that space of the union where we are one with the spirit of God. And that, that does take practice and that takes, um, awareness throughout the day so that the mind, meaning any of our thoughts and, and that any of our emotions don't get to have the, the run of the show all the time. Right. Um, easier said than done. Absolutely. I'm not trying to make it too simple. Um, but the sim- but what part is simple is that your union with the spirit is is not broken by him exiting. He is always present and he dwells in us and he abides in us. And it's really our awareness that needs to show up. Does that make sense? It's not that God shows up, it's that our awareness needs to show up. And so in the in the little years and then beyond that, you know, and as my kids get older, it still is a practice of me being present in the moment because though God is outside of time, I am not. (laughs) And so he, he is, he has, I have to be with him in these present moments. And part of the other um, practice of this is to consent to that. I have to consent because the Holy Spirit does not force his way into my present life. I have to be aware. Yeah. Well, and I just think of a really simple image in my mind when you're talking about this, about how you might be so thirsty and there might be a huge glass of water on the table in front of you. But if you don't drink the water, then you're going to remain thirsty. And that is, for me, the very physical part of you know, how I have struggled, like I have pursued peace in my life for years in healing and doing deep work with God in prayer and forgiveness and growing in my understanding of scripture and all these things. And for me, the the short end of the stick that I just am just now coming around to is the physical side of honoring and caring for my body and and seeing how failure to do that has impacted my ability to receive peace from God to, um, you know, so it's, I agree that there's a practice of connecting with God and, you know, in that more abstract spiritual space, yes, that, but also for me, like I've been doing that for a long time and I'm still dealing with these chronic health things and these, um, where I just feel like his invitation to me has been, nourishing yourself both in the word and with living words that renew and transform your mind and also very physically 
building habits that restore my body um, is a huge part of that where I'm at right now, at least. Well, it's so good because that's really the point is that you, we are a whole person. We're not segmented. We have a spirit, we have a soul and we have a body and although we can't piece those things apart, we try to, but then that's what, what you're, I think you're describing is the breakdown of, of why, why aren't I receiving peace? Well, in this circumstance, you're talking about the body has been neglected, right? And then, um, in some cases when we, like, as I'm trying to consider who's listening, like that haggard feeling of the little years, you know, the soul feels neglected because the soul essentially is doing a job that, um, it's not meant to do, which is to inform that young mom, that mom of young kids. The soul's job is not to inform her of who she be, right? Um, your personality's in there, but who she is as, an, I, I, as a person that God created is, is seated in the spirit. So um, looking at your person more holistically, whether it's needing to pay attention and honor the body or, or honor the soul by, by what, what I've been practicing with more silence and solitude, um, both are have its roots and needs in that unity with the spirit. I was thinking of some passages that might bring clarity for it too. And, and again, it doesn't have to be a a formula for anyone. It's different at different times. It's for me, there's seasons where I'm really studying the word. And so there are, well, just that it's more of a, it's more of a study and I'm picking apart scripture and I'm enjoying digging in deeper. And then there's seasons where I'm just meditating on one section of scripture for, for days, just meditating on it. Kind of like how you were saying, you just put up a scripture by your window, you know, and that's, that's what you are soaking in. So sometimes soaking in one scripture is one way to um, consent and be present with the spirit and having the union of the Holy spirit informing your mind and your emotions and your will to get you recentered. Um, a physical practice that I do a lot these days, um, is just breathe (laughs) really, really simple. It doesn't take, you know, time to, you know, get out a yoga mat or a workout video, though those things are good too. Um, but sometimes I just need Mm -hmm. to, to breathe. Um, we know that we have to have, um, oxygen for all kinds of functions and they, and it really will bring down your um, anxiety if you breathe from your belly. So I practice that. That's a simple practice to be doing to be present and consent to the Holy Spirit. And then at different times, there's a different verse that I will have connected to my breath, uh, or it's even part of phrased of scripture. Um, For a long time, that was rooted in love. And that comes from scripture from Ephesians 3. but in the busyness of kids or in a moment where stresses are high, like we're trying to get out the door, like that's typical, right? The moments of trying to get out the door and be on somewhere on time and make sure everybody's shoes are on. Um, and I don't want to be yelling at everybody. Um, I breathe and I say that scripture to myself, rooted in love. And, and peace comes and peace comes. It's practical because it's connecting what the body needs, which is that oxygen and not breathing from my chest, but it's also me connecting with the spirit so that my soul, my mind and my emotions don't wig out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think even that, just thinking of that as a pause, like there are so many aggravating moments as a mother that are like, okay, this is impossible right now. And I find myself, I mean, I don't really think about breathing if I'm really honest, but I do think about pausing. Like if there is a flash situation with kids, either not listening or we've got to get somewhere and there's like crunch time, I just really deliberately think peace, calm pause (laughs) because if I let my anxiety or my frustration get elevated that just tears down the whole thing and I'm not able to effectively give them directions or uh, maintain a sense of focus and what it is that needs to be done and so 
breathing and absolutely. pausing yeah, can absolutely. go a and long way when you when time it well. I feel like it would be better if we, you know, talked about this right now or um, something needs to get done right now. I've just learned, no, not everything is so urgent that it's worth me reacting. So I've really slowed my pace, which is still pretty fast because that's what I, I've just created to be. So, you know, again, the soul is our personality. God loves our personality. <laughs> he loves how he's made us. He's made me yeah. to have pretty high energy most yeah. time, even though the kids <laughs> might not say that. And I crash early, especially because I get up early, but yes. um, <laughs> as a general rule of who I am, I usually go at a fairly, fairly high speed. And I've just learned it's not worth pushing through some of those moments with the kids because my reactions are so fleshly. They're so from a place of unrest, the opposite of what um, what I really would, would want to have. So there are many times that the kids now know, okay, okay, we're stopping. <laughs> we're we're going to come back to this and, I'll, and I will say that. And then we all can kind of reset. And therefore there's been a lot more, there's been a lot more peace, a lot less raised voices, a lot more good conversations that come in the moments afterwards because we are calm and we didn't forget about it. We didn't brush it under the rug. We were intentional to come back. And since everybody was now at a different space emotionally, we could be healthier in the way that we tackle whatever needs to be done, whether it's a discipline issue or just a communication issue. Well, and I love that you use these words exactly. Um, and I'm just going to expand on them just a tiny bit because I have found this to be a huge part of what has made my marriage strong over the years is the difference between a reaction and a response. And that a reaction is something that kind of just happens to you when your emotions well up and you just, you're like, <laughs> just here it comes. And a response is something that you have to intentionally think about. And it, it takes some restraint and it takes some, you know, checking in with wisdom for a moment before you decide, how do I respond to this? And it, it's kind of a fine nuance difference, but it does make a humongous difference in interactions with other people, whether it's your children or your spouse or your friend or, you know, just seeing those reactions are not always very productive and they're understandable, especially in moments when, um, you oh, know, yeah. it's a flash yeah, danger yeah. situation. I mean, th there's a time to react. Mm -hmm. But most situations are not that, you know, most situations are yeah. just a compounded mess of exhaustion plus the situation in front of you plus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, other personalities who have ideas about how they want <laughs> that to unfold. And so just for me, it helps to think about the difference between reaction and response. And I just I want to before I have to wrap up with you, I really would love to just have you share about um, just how your faith and the cultivation of these practices have impacted your family, your relationships with your kids and how you invest in their formation of faith. Because I know that that's something that you want them to own in a very personal way, that it's not just this is all the stuff our family believes and you need to believe it too. It's it's a much more, um, I don't know, you're just so thoughtful about that. So I'd love for you to share just a little bit about mm -hmm. your approach to that. Uh, well, when it's some of it's been a natural um, fruit of my time to be, and, and I love mm -hmm. this word intentional. Um, I know we, I know it's something current mm -hmm. that we really like to use, but I, I really mean it. I, my intentional time with the Lord and in His Word, and sitting in a posture, so literally and figuratively, where I am connecting with Him and you know relinquishing myself so that I can um, participate more fully in um, relationship with, with the Lord. A natural benefit to that has been more intentional with my kids because I go before the Lord receiving what I need, which the major thing is, besides peace, is that I, I know that I'm loved. I am accepted. He loves who I am. And I find it has unfolded in my my motherhood and my parenting, when I look at my kids, um, where I'm more naturally intentional with them. Um, and the slowing down has really helped with that 
because I can look them in the eye and get more of a sense of where they're coming from, what that you know tantrum was about, what that teenage eye roll was about, what the lack of um, what I would want obedience to be is coming from, so that I'm not just reacting to these things that I wish weren't there. I'm actually seeing them through the eyes of love and acceptance, and then I care what's going on in their heart. And so I'm slowing down enough to pull those things out. Maybe not always in that moment, like I said, whether it's because it's tensions are high or it's just not appropriate because I know it's a tender subject and we need to come back. But then the way that I talk with them to try to dry those things out that are deep within their soul is that I'm expressing to them that they are loved and accepted. This is, I'm safe, but beyond even me, there's a God that loves them and created them in his identity. And he's not looking at them like they're good or bad. He, he just wants to talk to them about these different things. Again, whether it be an obedience issue or a heart issue, you know. So um, it's not necessarily things where I could probably box it and sell it. <laughs> right. No, no it, and that's it, why it's tricky, you know. Because... Um, and those things mm-hmm. evolve especially as my kids evolve, they're changing even more rapidly than I ever will. So the Holy Spirit, I need him on a daily basis with them. And because I've got five, I need to be very open to creativity and not treat them all um, the same. Um, Be very open to um, how to pray for them. That's something I've been cultivating um, in my time alone quietly with the Lord so that I can get his insight to, to what's going on. And that's been very um, helpful and powerful to get his view of what's happening in their, in their heart and how he would like me to pray for my kids. So, well, and if I can just offer a couple observations, mm-hmm. since we do know each other and I know your kids and you know, my kids, I just, um, I really respect and admire the way that you, honor their intellect and that you honor their ability to see and understand spiritual things that maybe seem really advanced for the average person, but that you just kind of open and share. <laughs> like, here are ideas that maybe you cannot grasp the full weight of, but can we either? <laughs> I mean, like, we're all just kind of taking in wisdom from however God brings it into our lives and considering it and choosing for ourselves, like, is this something that I'm going to grab hold of and hold in my heart? And, you know, you teach the Bible segment of our homeschool co-op. So in a very practical way, you're investing these same things in my children's lives, which I just appreciate so much. And just allowing, um, you know, some of those things for our children's consideration, especially when they're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, um, that they are capable of grasping some of these ideas and at least thinking about them and seeing how some of these truths do I mean I I just it has put me in conversations with my older kids that have surprised me how much they really think about these things and ponder them and I'm able to ask you know what are your thoughts about this versus just telling them this is what's right this is what's wrong don't do the bad things make sure you're doing all the good things you know and instead of being about behavior management which we still have to have some leadership and some management of basic things but in general like our mantra around our house right Mm. now is manage yourself Like, how do you manage yourself? How do you manage your emotions? And how do you, you know, if you're feeling angry, how do you express that in a productive way where you can share how you're feeling, but you can't make everybody else suffer for how you're feeling. (laughs) And that teaches them too that the only thing they have control over is themselves. And and that's a great thing for a young kid to learn. And that I do believe that they can learn self-control from a from a young age. And I will say in the same vein is also, especially for my older ones now um, going on nine, um, 12 and 14, we have continual conversations about inviting the Holy Spirit so that they can hear God for themselves. I know that I'm in a position of authority. I know that I'm 
I'm a bit of a filter, you know, in, in their, in their spiritual life, but especially, you know, Samantha's almost 14 and I need to be shifting into that role of mentor. And I am naturally seeing that happen. And I'm really excited and thankful that we have a relationship like that where when things are hard and, and pressing, I, I'm mom, but then I'm also the, the, the mentor who's saying, what's God saying about that? And, oh, you don't know yet. Well, let's pray together about that. And, um, and asking questions as opposed to just having all the answers. Cause I don't. And especially for her as an individual, I don't know what all the answers is, but God does and he cares. So expressing that to them and being in that position where I'm willing to let go of the authoritarian part of my job as mom <laughs> and where I have the answers as a, and just hold space with her. Um, it's a real gift and I'm really enjoying um, that part of this this season with the older ones for sure. Well, Lexi, you are just always an encouragement, always a fountain of wisdom, which I know comes straight from God from the time you spend with Him. But I still just appreciate you being here to share with us and um, we'll have to wrap up here. But I thank you for sharing your heart and um, I can't wait till we can spend more time together soon. Yeah, me too. Thank you, Emily. This is really fun.